This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. Good morning, everyone. How are you doing today? Michael Zuber, author of One Rental at a Time. And one of the things I really enjoy about having a YouTube channel is you really get to put your thoughts out there, but you also get to collect feedback. And when I collect feedback or a comment from a subscriber that is well thought out and they want to kind of get or collect my reaction, I think many times I owe it to them. So what I've done here is I've taken a comment that was very well thought out uh, that basically at the end asks me for a response. So here we go. I'm going to give you my response. So let me bring it up so you can all be on the same page. And again, the subscriber uh, disagrees with me passionately. And as you'll see, has said that uh, he's told me this before, uh, which I don't recall, but I get you know, hundreds of comments, so it's not a shock that I don't remember. But first and foremost, I hope it's obvious that I welcome disagreement. I welcome comments. Uh, you know, if you ask Olivia, I'm wrong all the time. Uh, you know, I am making daily decisions based on stuff I read and share. And most importantly, you know, I'm, I'm making investment decisions uh, with my own money. And, uh, you know, if I'm wrong, it could be disastrous. So, Please continue to share your thoughts. Let me know where you think I'm wrong. I, I welcome those things. So let's bring up this comment. Let's go through it together. So here we go. Uh, I've just cut and pasted. Hopefully it's all there. Uh, yeah, it's all there. Uh, so we've exchanged comments on this issue a couple of times. Now we don't see eye to eye, but I will try again to see your reaction. I'm sorry. Uh, you have to try again. I um, Yeah, I must have missed it. Unemployment is quite high and the recovery, if that's what you want to call it, is sputtering. Um, so I guess, you know, I'll just break this down side by side. Everybody should know if you watch my channel, my daily financial news, unemployment is high and getting worse. Uh, I think there are structural cracks. Uh, but actually, I think the recovery, uh, while taking a step back in Q4, gets better from here. So let me be clear. Uh, so hopefully I don't... Uh, upset this individual. I think Q1 will be better than Q4. I think Q2 would be better than Q1. I think Q3 will be better than Q2. Q4, you get it. I think we are going to see consecutive quarters of every quarter being better than the one preceding it. Does that mean we go back right to 2019 highs? No, of course not. But I do believe we are at the tail end of this and we are going to see a roaring uh, 2021, 2022. So, um, I would guess uh, I agree with that comment and hopefully my videos have pointed at that. So let's keep going. As you pointed out for the past couple of weeks, jobless claims have been rising, although not to the extent you were hoping to see. Uh, well, first off, I wasn't hoping to see that. That's not fair. You might want to say I was predicting, I was fearing, but to say I was hoping we'd have a million people with unemployment claims is wrong and mean. That's not never what I hope for that. I hope we have zero unemployment. 
Uh, I don't hope for things like that. I'm not that kind of person. Did I fear? Did I predict? Sure. But that's, that word's mean. I would never hope for unemployment. That's just wrong. At bottom, unemployment is not going to be repaired anytime soon. Mm, I'm guessing by at bottom, you mean in, in the economic cycle? Um, yeah, I guess. Hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of businesses across the country have closed their doors and will not reopen. Yes, I have said this many times. Small, medium-sized business in the service sector, restaurants, hotels, small retail, in trouble. Um, but as I've said also, while 2020 is the year of store closures, I believe 2021, probably in the summer, will start to be the story of store opens. So um, I think it will be repaired far faster than you are insinuating here. And you don't use the word, so um, I don't want to say that, but that's what I think you're saying here. This means jobless will remain high for foreseeable future. I don't agree with that. I don't know what foreseeable future means. To me, that's years. Uh, I think you'll be surprised. I think uh, unemployment uh, will be far better 12 months from now than today, and I consider that foreseeable future. I think the bigger thing around jobless or unemployment is the trickle-down effect. I think it's going to be very sticky because you know we've lost a million, a million uh, females have stepped out of the workforce, I believe, for the short term to help raise kids and all of that. Uh, I believe they will come back when daycare, childcare are options. Um, so it's going to be sticky, but I think I think the economy is stronger than you are highlighting here. The forbearance period will come to an end. Yes, and so will the pandemic. Yes, when the forbearance periods end, all those people in forbearance that remain jobless will not be able to get loan modification or new loans for new houses. Um, sure, I guess. Yeah, I, I sure. They will become motivated and hurry to the exits. See, now that's what I disagree with. Um, the word motivated, motivated seller. To me, I've lived through that. I've invested through that. That was 2010. That was motivation. We're not going to see a rush to the exits. When you say motivated and hurry to the exit, that really means price destruction. Um, you know, the three, first off, the 3.2 million people in forbearance, you've just kind of stepped over it. Most of those will either have a job, right? Because it's been six, nine, 12 months. Will have found a new job and be just fine. Will there be some that are still unemployed and need to sell? Sure, but it's not 3.2 million. It's probably 600,000. It's 500,000. It's 800,000. It's not 3.2 million. So, you know, half a million homes and they're not going to be motivated to sell because they need to live somewhere. Uh, some of them will sell because they have equity and be just fine, but they won't be motivated. Some people, the ones that you may be alluding to, the ones that are most desperate, the ones that really need help, they're going to go into foreclosure. And if they're upside down, no equity, there's no cash, foreclosures will take years. So that motivated inventory that you see coming, I don't see coming. Will there be some homes listed uh, from people who are jobless that want money? Yes. Uh, will it be enough to move the market? Well, it will be enough to temper the market. I don't think it causes a crash. I don't see the millions of homes that I think you're alluding to there in what you call the first wave. And I've read your email a couple of times. I disagree. I don't think this is the first wave. That's perhaps our first disagreement. The timelines for foreclosures, the timelines for 
lone workouts. The timelines for all of this stuff, this will not be the first wave. This will probably be the third wave. And this third wave crashes in 2022, 2023. So that's my first disagreement. I don't see this as the first wave. Uh, thus, the first wave of housing augmentation will be, where am I, commence with the introduction of vaccine in the pandemic in sight. But the end, by the end of 2021, the pandemic should be disappearing in a rearview mirror. Okay, I agree. All the people who had been reluctant to sell their properties because they didn't want potentially infected people entering their homes will now feel comfortable putting their homes up for sale. We agree 1,000%. And back to your earlier point of my disagreement, that is the first wave. These are the homes that hit the market first. These are the homes that I've said repeatedly will show up in April, May, June. This inventory will be large. This inventory will be um, substantial. This will be like two spring selling seasons. But what I believe you are missing here is if these people don't get their price, they won't sell. They don't have to sell. Um, these folks may be interested in moving. They may be interested in moving somewhere else, but they don't have to sell. So A, this is the first wave of inventory. This is what I'm telling my students to get ready for. This quality difference, this motivation, there will be some deals to be had here. This is what I'm preparing for. This wave is what I'm preparing my students for. I want everybody to do their homework now because of what you just said there. I think we are going to have two spring selling seasons in one. It will put a lid on prices, but it won't cause a crash because these people don't have to sell. I've been through these cycles before. And if you think your house is worth 220 because your neighbor is sold for 220 and you get a low ball offer at 208, you won't sell. You'll just stay put and eventually take your house off the market. That's what happens. And so go back to your email or comment. And given how greatly home value is appreciated, I predict that this will be a fairly large cohort. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be two times a spring selling season. So yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, the second wave of housing supply augment will commence. I disagree. I think it's the first wave. I've already told, shared before that the first wave you're talking about doesn't even land until 2022. So I disagree. This is the first wave and it will be the largest of the three waves. In addition, because eviction moratoriums, landlords across the country have had to go many, many months without receiving rent. Many of them will be driven into foreclosure if they have not already been driven there. So a couple of things. First and foremost, given my portfolio and the portfolio, I've talked to owners of thousands of units. Most of the pain is in apartments, multifamily. There's going to be deals, and I have said it repeatedly, in the commercial market. What you are talking about here is houses. Single-family housing, residential housing, hottest thing on the market. There are some tenants not paying. I've been very clear. I have one student in one of my nice houses not paying. All right, yeah, I've been very clear. I have one, not student, tenant. And I knew I said that wrong. One tenant in my housing that hasn't paid since March. It happens. But they will be out eventually and I will re-rent it again. Will some landlords sell? Yeah, but they will likely clean up their property and they will sell to the owner occupants. Uh, so again, this wave is going to be tiny. Will it be something? Yes. If I were to put a scale on this, what you called the second wave, I think is going to be 4X 
current inventory. I'm just trying to get a number. This landlord one you're talking about, it's going to be tiny. It'll be nothing. It'll be 20, 30% of what we currently are. So if, if the market today in Fresno is 4,000 homes, just trying to give a scale here. I believe what's coming from the, what I'm calling the first wave, you cause the second wave could take it from 4,000 to 10,000, right? So it's big, right? Big jump. This, um, the, what you call the first wave, again, is zero impact on 2021, right? There'll be some people that sell, but they're not going to be in a rush, all of that stuff. Um, this this um, landlord one, yeah, you know, again, if we have 4,000 homes today, it might take it to 4,800, 5,200, but that's nothing in the scheme of demand. So again, I don't think this is going to cause that big of an issue. Thus, the third wave of housing argumentation will commence. Again, this is a trickle. This is not a wave. Uh, there are three waves of augmentation of housing supply that substantially alter the imbalance existing in 2020 supply. I believe when discussing this subject, I only heard you discussing how the first wave of housing augmentation will impact market prices. I don't believe I heard you discussing the second or third wave. Well, uh, I don't think that's true at all. I think I've hit all three of them. We just disagree on timing. The first wave I've spoken about a lot because a lot of people are calling it the reason 2021 prices crash. And I've said repeatedly that that's impossible given the foreclosure timelines and all of that. It makes it a 2022 problem. Um, so that's just because people don't understand how foreclosures work. Um, people coming out of forbearance are not a day late. Uh, so the clock hasn't started for NODs and defaults and REOs. It just the math doesn't support their logic. Uh, I've talked about the second wave, which I actually think is the first wave and the largest a lot. I'm telling all of my students and I keep telling everybody that will listen, wait for all the inventory in April and May. I don't, I don't know what else I could tell you. And then I disagree with the frustrated landlords, uh, at least when we're talking about residential. I think there'll be multifamily pain. I don't think there'll be residential pain. Uh, so I would love to hear your views on that. Great, you got them. Finally, I think when most listeners hear you say there will not be a crash in 21, they interpret you saying there will not be a crash at all. Um, I certainly hope they don't think that. I'm very specific. I am battling the people that are calling for a crash in 2021. There won't be. There can't be unless interest rates double. Uh, will not be a crash at all. Will there be a crash again sometime in my lifetime? Probably. Uh, let's define a crash because that's a word that's left undefined. Call it 30% collapse inside 12 months. Maybe. Do I see a crash on the horizon? Nope. Do I see prices slowing down? Yes. Do I see some markets having a crash? Yes, like San Francisco. Um, but, you know, I don't, uh, I don't see a 30% crash nationally in the cards in the coming years. Call it one to three years. Right? Interest rates go up. The Fed has to go from 25 to 6% mortgage or the banks do, maybe. Is that what you're saying? No, I did not say that. I said there's no crash in 2021. I'm very specific. Or are you simply quarreling when such a crash will take place? I'm not quarreling. I am telling people that a lot of these talking heads are making people sit on their hands and not do their homework. I believe you need to do your homework. I call it do the work. And I think you can get some good deals. I think people that don't take action now when you can get 30-year loans at 3% or less are going to miss out, just like everybody missed out in 2010. 
if you could clarify your views on this slide, great. I just did. So again, um, trying to be clear here. No crash in 2021. Crash equals 30% nationally. Um, foreclosure, forbearance, any inventory there, any distressed, motivated inventory there doesn't show up till 2022. So that wave is inconsequential. Uh, the second wave of people looking to upgrade is real, uh, but they don't have to sell. So if they don't get their price, they don't sell. Uh, third, frustrated landlords, multifamily, value add, problem. Commercial, problem. Residential, no problem. And then the last thing that's not in that uh, comment, which again is very well thought out, is I believe lending gets easier next year. I believe uh, we could possibly see a tax credit next year. Uh, so I think demand goes up. All of your comments were all about supply. Supply is an issue. Supply is the problem in 2020. But what you haven't thought about is could demand go higher? I think demand could go higher. I think demand could go a lot higher. So again, I'm not calling a crash next year. I'm just don't see it. So hopefully that makes sense. Hopefully that, um, hopefully this has helped you understand where I'm coming from. Thanks.